welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 13, Jesus in Jerusalem as a Boy. This, in fact, is the last talk in our first series, which deals with the childhood of Jesus and his growing up years. And just to remind you, if you haven't seen the other episodes of the story so far, particularly just to remind you of what happens immediately before the episode that we're going to look at now, which actually takes place when Jesus is 12 years old. And in fact, it's the only incident that's recorded of Jesus's growing up years. Everything beforehand is to do with his infancy and very early childhood. And what happened immediately before the episode we're going to uh, study today was the situation where Jesus, having been born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem, um, had to be taken away very hurriedly by Joseph and Mary because Herod the Great, the king at the time, took offence at Jesus's birth and the possible threat to him by his status, um, having been born in Bethlehem, uh, as predicted by the prophet Micah. So he took offence and uh, we read in Matthew's Gospel that uh, he wanted to kill off all the infant children in the Bethlehem area in order to assassinate the baby Jesus right from the very early days. So uh, as Matthew tells us, an angel warned Joseph in a dream that uh, this was going to happen and Joseph and Mary fled south to Egypt where they stayed for a number of years before returning to their hometown, Nazareth in Galilee, after Herod the Great had died and political situation had changed somewhat. So that's what happened in the previous episode. And that concludes the uh, stories about Jesus's infancy, his very early years. And there's only one episode, one story told of Jesus as a young boy age 12, as it happens. And it's Luke who recounts this story. And that's the subject of today's study. So I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 2 and uh, read from uh, verse 39 uh, through to verse 52. Luke 2, 39 to 52. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, 
sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. This is a very remarkable story. In an earlier episode, I described how Luke wrote his gospel and how he sought eyewitness testimony. And I described the fact that he probably had access to members of Jesus's family and certainly of his local community in and around Nazareth when he went back to do some research some years later. He may even have met Mary herself. We don't know for certain. But what we do know is that Luke got a lot of very specific information about Jesus's infancy and he got um, access to this remarkable story which isn't reproduced in any of the other gospels. It's a very poignant and a very personal story about the developing relationships between parents and a growing adolescent boy that speaks very much to the heart in terms of how relationships change in families as the years pass. But this had a number of particular dimensions to it, which of course were unique, as we're going to find out in just a few moments. But let's just set the scene. Joseph, like many Jews of his time, took seriously the obligation under the law of Moses that men in particular and families, if possible, should travel from their hometowns and villages to the temple in Jerusalem for some or all of the major religious festivals, notably Passover, Pentecost and Tabernacles. And perhaps of these three festivals, the festival of Passover was considered the most important by many ordinary Jewish people. And it appears that uh, Joseph regularly travelled from Nazareth up to Jerusalem for this festival. Now, it was a long journey. We've previously described the journey between Nazareth and Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem's very close to Jerusalem. Depending on which road you take, it can be 100 kilometres or 150 kilometres journey. Several days of travelling. And the festival itself lasted quite a number of days. And so the whole journey uh, could take perhaps two weeks if you stayed for the whole festival. So it was a very major undertaking. And presumably as children got older, then they were more likely to go with their parents and other relatives and friends up to these festivals in Jerusalem. And as Luke tells the story here, there seems to be quite a significant family group traveling 
friends and relatives are described by Luke uh, in the traveling party and they go up to the Passover. They'd have to find accommodation in a very crowded city of Jerusalem and they would participate in the particular festival which recalled the exodus from Egypt, the passing over of the Jews from Egypt into um, the wilderness, the Sinai Desert, through the Red Sea, the escape from slavery and the mighty deliverance that God brought for them, the way that he protected them from judgment as the Egyptians were judged and the Israelites escaped. This was the central theme of the Passover, a recollection of God's deliverance and calling in the past and a recollection also of the sacrifice, particularly here the sacrifice of a lamb at the feast and then the eating of that animal in a special family meal, the Passover meal, which we'll talk about a lot more later on in the series when we come to the Last Supper, which in fact is a Passover meal. This was the festival to which Jesus came age 12 with his mother, his stepfather Joseph, other family members and relatives. The unusual thing of course and the surprise is what happened at the end. Now the city was very crowded and probably they stayed outside the city or nearby. The family group was large. And so when it came for the journey uh, to commence to go back home, there'd be quite a number of people to account for. And for some reason, Mary and Joseph were not aware of the fact that Jesus wasn't in the party and they traveled a whole day before they realized it. Uh, the timing of this is quite significant because there's a whole day before they realize what's happened, then they returned to the city in some degree of anxiety. And Luke says it took another three days to actually find Jesus. They had no idea where he was. He'd left no messages with anyone. He hadn't gone back, presumably, to the accommodation they'd been in. Uh, all we know was that he was difficult to find. And the last place they thought of looking, presumably, was right in the center of the temple compound where the senior religious leaders met and discussed matters and took places of prominence as thousands of pilgrims came in and made their sacrifices. The religious leaders and teachers would be prominent and respected people visible in the temple compound. And as the story goes, as we've, we've read just a few moments ago, Mary and Joseph, to their amazement, find that their son Jesus is sitting there talking to the most respected senior teachers of the Jewish religion in the whole country, right there in the temple compound. Now, there are a number of things that are surprising about this. The first one is that it wouldn't be customary to talk to someone who was not considered yet an adult just on the verge of adulthood, maybe 13, 14, 15, would be considered the time for Jewish young men. But they're talking to him and they appear to be talking on equal terms. And these religious teachers have this huge amount of knowledge and understanding. And Jesus is just a country boy who's been brought up in the local village synagogue 
working with his stepfather and his family in the carpentry and uh, woodworking and building trade. It's an astonishing sight. And Mary and Joseph are really completely taken aback by what they see. They obviously knew and understood the destiny of their son, Jesus. They knew that. It had been very clearly revealed to both of them individually by angelic visitation and divine revelation. They knew that he was the Messiah. They knew that he was the Son of God. They knew that he was born by a miraculous conception in the womb of Mary before Joseph and Mary were married or had any sexual relationship. They knew all these things. But suddenly... The story of Jesus just moves into a different gear because he is beginning to pursue his destiny in an individual way um, in this particular episode. And so as we read in verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. The mother's heart uh, clearly expressed here. But Jesus's response is what I want to just give a little bit of attention to um, for a moment. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Now, his question, why are you searching for me, seems very puzzling to us. Pretty obvious why they were searching for him. They'd lost their son. They had huge parental responsibility, tremendous sense of anxiety. What had happened to him? Anything could have happened to him. But Jesus pointed them to a transitional moment in his life. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? And here we have the transition of him identifying his heavenly father as the one who determines his destiny and is calling him into the ministry that he will have in the future. So there's a differentiation here between the human family and the divine calling. There are two fathers mentioned here. There is Joseph, technically the stepfather, who is looking for his stepson here to find him again. And then there is the heavenly father who is calling Jesus. And so this event, I think, is to help prepare Joseph and Mary for the fact that Jesus' calling is going to take him away from the family away from the family business, away from the family location, from Nazareth, from the community. His father is calling him to a unique ministry, a unique work of salvation that's going to take him all over the country and to very, very different destiny to any other member of the family. So there's a certain prophetic nature to what is happening here. But there's also an insight into Jesus's spiritual development. He has a very strong understanding, age 12, of his um, uh, identity as the unique son of God. And so he stands in the temple on equal terms with the senior rabbis and teachers, not because of any education, not because of age, not because of community respect, not because he'd been in the temple, not because he was from the priestly tribe, which he wasn't, but because he was divinely called by his father. And his knowledge that enabled him to 
relate on equal terms to these religious leaders would have come by a combination of two sources. One, he would have studied diligently the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. He would have gone to the synagogue and learnt obediently and diligently. But secondly, and more importantly, divine revelation from the Holy Spirit was showing him even at a young age what his destiny and his identity was. He was very learned in the scriptures, even at the age of 12. A very, very remarkable event took place on that day. As we come to the end of the passage, we see a summary statement from Luke about the rest of Jesus's growing up years. It's all we know of the years from at the age of 12 through to adulthood. It's a, it's a beautiful and it's a wonderful statement. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, that's his parents, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Jesus's decision to stay in the temple and talk to the rabbis and teachers wasn't an act of willful adolescent rebellion. It was an assertion of his calling and identity. Very respectful and very clear. Uh, he was making a point about where he was going, but it didn't represent any form of rebellion. In fact, Luke makes the point very clearly that Jesus had a very humble attitude to his human family and his human parents, his mother and his stepfather. He was obedient to them. And so he served in the family. Now we know from other texts that Jesus had at least four other brothers, four brothers are named, and at least two sisters who are not named, but there could be more than two, all of whom would have been younger than him because he was the firstborn. So he was the firstborn of a family of at least seven children. Therefore, he had a position of particular responsibility in Jewish society because the oldest son was responsible to work closely with his father and to develop the skills of farming or trade or whatever trade uh, the father may have, which is exactly what Jesus did, and also to look after the younger children and to respect his mother. Now, Jesus fulfilled all these demands of, of, of their society without, without any difficulty. He was obedient to his parents and respectful of them. In fact, it's interesting to note that later on in the Gospels, when his family's mentioned during his period of public ministry, that Joseph isn't mentioned. Mary and brothers and sisters are mentioned on a number of occasions. It's possible, therefore, that Joseph may have died by the time that Jesus was in ministry around the age of 30, in which case Jesus would have an even greater responsibility to his mother. We'll talk more about that in other episodes. But Luke observes here that he grew in wisdom, that is in knowledge, understanding, in stature, that is in maturity as a person, in favour with people, so his character was positive, and in favour with his father through ongoing 
obedience. So we can picture Jesus as the Son of God following a path of obedience to the revelation that his heavenly Father gives him through the power of the Holy Spirit all the way through his childhood to the extent that he was conscious and made decisions. Jesus made decisions of obedience to his heavenly Father and obedience to his parents. This is unlike any other human childhood. And the reason is simple. Jesus was not tainted by sin. He developed uh, from infancy all the way through to ad adulthood and he went through the adolescent period as we might describe it. But he didn't go through any adolescent rebellion. What he did go through in adolescence was the natural process of his identity becoming more and more separate from his parents. And that's right at the centre of the story that we have been discussing in this episode. It's a, it's a wonderful story and gives you a very touching insight into the togetherness and yet the complexity of Jesus's family. And Mary had to negotiate this as uh, Jesus's mother. She had to work out how to be a good mother to him. And it says here that she treasured all these things in her heart. She remembered them. She thought about them because she realized that in a unique way, she was going to have to let her son go to his destiny. And that destiny was going to separate him from her and the family and the family business in a way that she could not prevent or restrict. And it was her maternal duty as a mother to release her son to his unique divine calling. It says something of Mary's astonishing character that she did that with such grace and humility. And is another reason why we should commend Mary as a wonderful example of motherhood. Let me just give you uh, in conclusion some reflections uh, on this story. It's not a story that is uh, often discussed uh, in Christian teaching, but I think it's a very important story for a number of reasons. First of all, Jesus's divine identity is clearly revealed. The creative tension between human parents and divine father is explicitly brought to our attention through the, in, the discussion between Mary and Jesus in the temple, when she says, why has he not been with the parents? Uh, and he said, didn't you know that I need to be in my father's house? His identity is clearly revealed in this episode, as in many other uh, episodes in the Gospels. Second point of reflection is that respect and obedience for parents in Christian families particularly is an important principle of the New Testament. And Jesus's story is followed up by Paul in his teaching, for example, in Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, family life is complex. Parents, even in church or Christian families, 
make mistakes, get things wrong. And if we're brought up, as many of us will be, will have been or, or are now uh, in families that are not Christian families, that becomes more complex again. But the principle of humility and respect for your parents and those who are older than you in the family is one that many societies affirm very strongly. And it's one that we do find very clearly in the Bible and Jesus exemplifies it in his own life. So this is a point of reflection that may be important for us. A third reflection would be that this is our only glimpse into the adolescence of Jesus, the growing up years. We don't find rebellion here, as I've stated, but we do find the assertion of his unique identity. And that's a process we should always encourage. So if you are a parent uh, and you're listening to this or have any parental responsibility or grandparental responsibility, helping young people to find their identity in God is a very, very important responsibility for parents. Not an identity that serves our needs as parents particularly, but one which releases them to be fruitful in their lives. And so my fourth reflection from this is the vital importance of parenting. Now, parenting is discussed in a number of contexts in the New Testament. The family is a very, very important unit in the church and should be seen uh, with the highest of respect. But here is a story that parents can learn from. You can see the reactions of Joseph and Mary, you can see their responsibilities, you can see the challenges that they face with their parenting situation, with a variety of children to look after in Jesus's rather unique situation. But can I commend to you that in this passage, uh, parenting is valued and is seen as important. And Jesus is obedient to his, his parents. He supports his family. He works within his family in his growing up years. So I want to encourage those with parenting responsibilities to take some inspiration from the grace with which Joseph and Mary handled the ever-changing situation as Jesus grew up. Final thing I want to say in conclusion is just a brief reflection on the Jewish temple, which is obviously at the centre of this particular story. I'll be talking about the temple again and again because so much of the action takes place around the temple. John's Gospel highlights this, particularly in the period at the end of Jesus's life, highlights it as well. And the temple was the representation of the whole of Judaism at the time. It was the place where Jews considered that God met mankind on earth. It was the meeting place between earth and heaven, a sacred place which God had chosen right in the centre of his city of Jerusalem, uh, the place where the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was carried out, a place where festivals were carried out where worship was continually upheld by the priests and we saw that when we looked at the story of John the Baptist's parents and his father Zechariah who served as a Levite supporting the priesthood in the temple. So it's a very very important central institution and it's going to experience a lot of change when Jesus comes 
And so just take note of the temple and take note of the teachers of the law who are mentioned here. They become very prominent in our story later on. There's going to be much challenge and change coming for the Jewish temple as the new covenant comes, as Jesus's sacrifice comes, as the church is born, as the Holy Spirit is poured out. Everything is going to change. But here at the very beginning uh, of Jesus's life, uh, here as an, as, a, as an adolescent before he's even in ministry by many years, he's engaging with the temple and its authorities. He'll be doing that very substantially throughout the course of his ministry. Thank you for listening to this final episode in series one. And I hope you'll join us again as we move uh, next time to series two. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.